You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti. I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded in Chicago at the Clio Cloud Conference, which is returned to the beautiful Radisson Blue Aqua Hotel. We're here to cover this event for you, our listeners, and joining me now, I have three guests. I have uh, Basha Rubin. I have Mira Levitt. Is it Levitt? Levitt. It's Levitt. You're Levitt. good. Okay. And then I have Mr. John Grant. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Excellent. No, thank you so much. We're kind of winding things down. We're getting near the end of Clear yeah. Cloud. It's been a great event, and, and I'm really excited to hear about your presentations. But before we get to that, I'd like for the benefit of our audience to introduce you. So, uh, Basha, let's start with you. I'm Basha. I am the CEO and a co-founder of Priori Legal. Priori is a curated legal marketplace that connects SMBs and emerging growth companies with a network of vetted lawyers at competitive and transparent rates. At the risk of being a what is an SMB? A small to medium-sized business. Gotcha. Okay. And Mira, your same company, same but company. tell us about yourself. Very pleased to work with Basha. Um, I am the GC and president at Priori. I uh, spent some time working as a lawyer, so I'm familiar with some of the issues facing practitioners. I was a corporate and venture capital lawyer, and now I am very happy to be in-house at Priori. Excellent, excellent. And John? Uh, boy, my elevator pitch isn't quite as good, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I go by the Agile Attorney, and I do consulting and training and actually more and more coaching with individual lawyers and legal teams on uh, agile and lean project management and product improvement methodologies. And you're also a returning guest to Legal Talk Network. I am, yeah. I was on Adriana's podcast uh, earlier in the year. Yep, new solo. It was uh, great, great to have you on, great to have you back. So let's start this out. Now, you were each presenting in a different track for Clio. Mm-hmm. So they've got three tracks that we've been talking about uh, periodically through the day. So there's Clio University, which helps people use Clio better. There's the Business of Law track, which uh, Basha and Mira, you were uh, mm-hmm. presenting in. And then, of course, Legal technology uh, track, which uh, you were presenting in, John. Right. So let's start Let's start with uh, Mira and Basha's uh, presentation. It was called, correct me if I'm wrong, because they've been changing names over here, Creating a Scalable Firm Outsourcing Your Business Development. Is that right? Yes. They didn't correct. change it on me. They did not change it. Perfect. So who wants to give me the 50,000 foot general explanation as to what that was all about? I think I'm up. All right. So in our role as a legal marketplace, we have interviewed about 2,000 lawyers on how they are effectively using online tools for business development, as well as matched thousands of clients with lawyers. So we really did a deep dive into what sorts of online tools and strategies are working for lawyers to acquire new business, what clients are looking for when they find a lawyer online, how clients are using online tools to search for lawyers, what the benefits and drawbacks of these different strategies are, ethics considerations that lawyers should bear in mind, as well as some brief thoughts on the future. Oh, wow. That, uh, that's, how long was that uh, discussion? It was about an hour. About an hour? Okay, yeah. wow. That's, that's covering a lot of material. So, all right, well, let's reach out to our audience here that are attorneys and, uh, you know, they, they have, they're not here at Clio Cloud right now, but uh, what were some of the uh, tools that you guys were bringing up? Do you have some examples of tools of how clients are finding lawyers? So I think I would look at it through three framing thoughts. Okay. Um, I'm gonna. I always say I hate it when I give a number at the beginning, and then I always forget what the third thing is by the time okay. I get there. So it's the Rick Perry approach. Problem. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. There was a the third. Several. You have several points to make. I have several points to make. Okay. The first of which 
is you know, that people are looking at these online tools and platforms, be they new client acquisition sites, um, social media, online marketing, and thinking of them as something that's wholly different than their offline efforts. So what, you know, the way we see lawyers most effectively using these tools is when they think of it as an extension of their offline efforts and a way to really amplify their voice. So if they're the type of person who really likes going to networking events, there are ways to use online tools to enhance that rather than thinking of it as a, a whole new a whole new ball game. That's one bucket of things. The second bucket of things is what we call um, the emoji lawyer problem at Priori, which is that when we see clients looking for lawyers, they're looking for a very specific thing. They like seeing exactly their needs mirrored in that lawyer. So the client that brought this up for us was a client who came, and you know this is illustrative of a, a broader problem, but the client came and said, you know, I'm starting a new business, need some basic corporate formation, IP protection, and um, it's an emoji business, so I'm gonna need an emoji lawyer. And we said, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, like, that's not a thing. And they were like, no, I need someone who has emoji experience. Um, and so what we see with the lawyers who are successful on our platform is they're the ones who have picked several client profiles and really drive their acquisition efforts toward them. They're, they've worked with more than 25 fashion companies who with, you know, in a certain geo area. And of course, I forgot my third thing, so maybe Mira has one. You know, I, th I think the other set of things that we just touched on was the law and technology is exploding and it's extremely exciting. At the same time, lawyers obviously have obligations um, to build ethical firms in addition to scalable firms. Right. Um, and, you know, I think everybody knows the ethics rules. We all passed the MPRE, and I think everybody can cite what ethics rules typically are brought up by these companies. Um, but we talked a little bit about the, sort of the, just the broader frameworks of questions you need to be asking, how payments are flowing, how you're getting paid, how the company is being paid, um, in order to satisfy yourself that these platforms are doing what they need to do. And so uh, predictions for the future. You guys spent some time on that. So let's hear about the predictions. So we think uh, very clearly that, uh, and we have a dog in this fight, it works for us that online tools become the way that people, that lawyers find new business. But we think it's very clearly trending in that direction. There's no reason to think that law will be immune from the sorts of trends that, you know, we've seen in doctors and dating and all these other things where nobody could ever, you know, no one would ever do it online. People are doing it online, but it's not going to be, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's trust is still king. And so everything that you, that lawyers do online needs to be in service of establishing that same sort of trust that they typically do in other aspects of their, of their practice. That really reflects, I mean, I think that's something that's come up in the conference a lot is that there is no real divide between a, an online interaction and an in-person interaction. It's just yeah. an interaction. Yeah. And so it's not about delivering excellent online service or offline service. It's about serving your customers. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's about meeting your customers where they are. Absolutely. And, you know, they are increasingly interested in using tech tools 
in their legal experience, but they don't want the tech tools to be their legal experience. Right. Um, and you have to, you know, calibrate your practice accordingly. So where, where are you guys finding the clients are existing? Is it mobile, like phone? Is it tablet, computer? No, you know, our clients are mostly on their computers. Okay. And, but we serve a very upmarket business clientele. And this was another thing we hit on a lot in the presentation, which is the idea that there's some magic bullet, some one-size-fits-all combination of online marketing that's going to be a panacea, where really it depends so the, the behaviors of different types of clients are going to be radically different. So we work specifically a lot with in-house legal departments. These are people who are looking for lawyers from their computers in their office. I think if you were serving a consumer-facing market, you'd find a lot more mobile traffic and mobile engagement. Okay, well, we're gonna change some gears here, wildly change gears over to uh, John's presentation. So, I you, can segue off of that. Can you say, well, let's, oh, yeah. let's do the segue. I mean, if you though, don't want a wild gear change. I don't know, I'll wild uh, gear I mean, change is wants, kind of exciting. I like <laughs> when you drive the ultimate driving machine right there. So, I like smooth shifting. Smooth shifting, okay, I understand. So, well, well let's let John smooth shift into the next topic. Now, your event, uh, go ahead and tell us what it's called, just so well, we can get it out um, there. Your notes are better than mine, oh, okay. what was it called? Sure, yeah, this is uh, your, your speaking event, John. It was titled. <laughs> Fireside Chat, Tech Project Management, Lessons for Legal, Lean, Law, Plus Agile. Oh, that's a terrible title. I don't, did did I approve that? that? I don't Ours know. was kind of terrible, too. Yeah. I had to lead by saying there's no such thing as outsourcing your business development. Yeah, no, no, no offense to, yeah. And, well, it's interesting Sorry, because I was, in, I was in the technology track, and, and really a lot of, of what I was talking about was about the business of law as well, right? And it is, it's part about this, there, there are no clear lines between these things, right? <laughs> Technology is the business of law today, right? It, it has to be part of your practice. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that Jack and I, so I had a fireside chat style uh, talk. There was no actual fire, which left me a little disappointed. That's, a, that's a FDR of you, right? That's pretty FDR. Oh, I Or is that Churchillian? I agree. Well, is that FDR. Which, yeah. FDR. FDR. Oh, that's Definitely. right. Fireside yeah. chat, yeah. not yeah, Churchill. Totally. Right. Gotcha. Right. Thank you. The Churchill may have done them too, but. I'm sure they have some nice fireplaces. And, I'm sure you know. they do. So one of the things that we talked about, so basically the, the overview of my discussion with Jack was how to take some of the tools that have empowered the technology industry, specifically around agile and lean project management and process improvement, and apply them in ways that lawyers can use them as well. Okay, let's start with that, the basics of that. So there's gonna be some people out here listening right now that do not know what that means <laughs> in the confines of their law practice, lean and agile. Could you explain those concepts and why it's important? Yeah, I will, and, I, and, and I'll say that I, I actually am starting to get a little impatient about having these zero level conversations because I'm starting to think it's vitally important that lawyers start paying some attention to this. And, we, and again, Jack and I talked about that as well. But Agile, at its core, well, I'll start with Lean, right? Lean is a manufacturing methodology. It came out of Toyota initially in the 60s. It sort of jumped to America in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And it really is about focusing your manufacturing efforts or your production efforts of any kind on maximizing your delivery of customer value. And what a lot of people maybe have heard of when they think of lean is the seven wastes of lean and how you can improve efficiency or eliminate waste through the use of these methodologies. But really that's a misunderstanding because the, the core rationale behind lean management is to focus on the delivery of customer value. And if you do that, then any non-value adding activity will sort of just fall away. Okay. So efficiency, I, I, in many of my presentations I say efficiency is a 
terrible goal, but it's a wonderful side effect. Okay, and Agile. So Agile is a uh, kind of a layer, I, I consider it part of the Lean family tree. Uh, it came into being in the early 2000s. It came out of the software development world. And really what it was, was a, a, an application of lean thinking in a knowledge worker environment. So uh, something that is true of software and really that software developers and lawyers share is that we can't actually see much of our work. And so you can use tools like a Kanban board or a Scrum board, uh, right, which is, I know, uh, uh, you know terminology heavy. But, Wait, um, that sounds like a rugby term. Yeah, scrum. Well, it scrum. is. Yeah, uh, it, it comes from rugby initially. Uh, I don't know why, except for the inventor, one of the inventors of Scrum was a rugby fan. Gotcha. That's probably why. But the idea is that you you use uh, basically visual metaphors, and and for most businesses, it comes in the form of a sticky note. Okay. And you basically use sticky notes. You write your task or your customer need on the sticky note, and then you work it through a series of columns on a board that approximate the stages of a manufacturing workflow. And in doing that, you can effectively start to use all of the learnings that came out of Lean and apply them to knowledge work, because you've got this sort of visual analog of your otherwise invisible work. Okay, well let's transition into the, the tech side of that, so the tech project management. I think actually that's kind of where we have some crossover mm -hmm. with your two presentations in the different tracks. And so let's get into that. You were having the fireside uh, chat with Jack. You guys are talking about, were you talking about different platforms or? Not at all, actually. Okay, and so wow. that's one of the things that, uh, you know, other than the Clio platform, of course, because it is uh, obviously a big theme of the show. Uh, but, you know, we really talked about how Clio, and even, you know, before we went on, uh, we had the CEO of LegalZoom uh, was uh, presenting as well, and he talked about how they're using agile techniques. And, and really, what our discussion was about was how to basically adopt a learning methodology in your legal practice, where you're constantly uh, and consistently checking in with your customers, who are usually your clients, but not always. Could be your judges, it could be your partners, it could be opposing counsel, right? And figuring out how am I doing? How am I delivering value in a way that is most useful and meaningful to them? And how do I implement feedback loops so that I understand what's valuable and what's not, so that I get into this continuous improvement cycle? And how does that resonate with you guys? Well, we are familiar with agile technology from our software developers. Okay. And actually, I have a question for John. All right. Yeah. Um, and just how agile would be applied to law. So as we've seen agile applied, it is deadline phobic. It is. <laughs> it can <laughs> Which be. Which doesn't always work in the practice Which of law. Which seems inimical to law. So I'm interested in what that application looks like. Well, so it is not deadline phobic so much as it what it does require is a strong upfront uh, identification of priorities, right? And it's understanding what are the things that you're working on that are going to add the most value, mm -hmm. and what are those things that are maybe you know on your list but not truly valuable. And it's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. So right? to me, this seems like. It's awesome, but it would require such a transformation of the legal profession. So many of the things that lawyers need to do in order to meet these sorts of arbitrary standards ah. don't don't add that much value. And I, I didn't practice um, after, after Yale Law School. I went right into doing this. But even when I was there, I spent, and in sort of practice environments and 
watching my husband, who's a corporate associate. He spends so much time doing things. I spend so much time doing things that if you apply that 80-20 rule, would probably have to go. But in order to present what we consider a polished product, something like court-ready documents, you need to spend time on things that don't actually add value. Well, so, you know, the way I would come at it is, uh, and, and one of the things that, that Jack and I talked about is the idea of a minimum viable product, right? Uh-huh. And, and I sometimes have translated that to the idea of a minimum viable brief. So, yeah. or a minimum viable motion. So when you're going to build a, a motion, for example, you could do all of your research on all of your cases up front and then move to the next stage, which would be drafting of all of your arguments, and then move to the next stage, which is the creation of the document and the editing and the blue booking and all of those things. And each of those stages would be a very expensive stage. Or you could come at it from a more agile approach, which would say, okay, I'm going to do a, a bit of research, but I'm going to put a time box around it. I'm going to do four hours of research or eight hours of research, and I'm going to get the best cases that I can discover in that time, and I'm going to write my initial motion based on that, and then I'm going to shop it either with a partner or with some other person to give me feedback on it, and then I will have information that will help me understand, do I need to go back and do additional research and build maybe a second best argument, Mm -hmm. or maybe that second best argument becomes your first, but you develop it iteratively by going through the research drafting QA stages up front Mm -hmm. and then repeat. And the, the way that you would come up with a finished product is that if you, you know, get hit by a bus or win the lottery, right, depending on whether your glass is half empty, uh, and were to walk away, you would have delivered a viable motion, mm-hmm. right? It may not be the ultimate motion, but maybe your client doesn't want to pay you for the ultimate motion. And so that's where yeah. we get into understanding what's valuable to the customer and, and what the expectations are around that. Well, that's a, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We're running short on time for this episode. But listen, this is a very good discussion. I think our listeners will want to follow up with you. So what I want to do is go around the table here. And if you give out some of your contact information, if our listeners want to reach you, how, how can they do that? So, Basha, let's start with you. Yeah, so you can reach me at Basha, that's B-A-S-H-A, B as in boy, dot Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, at PrioriLegal.com. You can reach me um, at Basha Rubin on Twitter, and you can find Priori at PrioriLegal.com. Well, let's uh, let's spell Priori. P-R-I-O-R-I Legal. Okay. And Mira? Um, I am Mira, M-I-R-R-A dot Levitt, L-E-V-I-T-T at PrioriLegal.com. I am a lurker on Twitter, so find me on email. (laughs) And John? Yeah, uh, you can Google Agile Attorney, and I should come up. Uh, AgileAttorney.net uh, is my current domain, although I just bought the .com, so I'm in the process of uh, switching that over. Uh, John at AgileAttorney.net, and I tweet at, uh, at JEGrant3. Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti, signing off from Chicago. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.